Uh, OJ. OJ Simpson, yeah. yeah. So apparently my family watched that on the TV. And it was so hot that the power went out at the hospital. So I was delivered by flashlight and backup generator. How's that for a day one? Wow. Are you recording right now? I am. Nice. Welcome back to the Christian Culture. This is Clint. And this is Steve. And Steve, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's good to be back um, before gala season when I go MIA for a month. Yeah. So um, just to clarify, so people who don't know what that is, you want to talk about your gala at work? Yeah. So uh, end of September, we have our annual uh, celebration of life which is uh, a gala. It's a big sort of fundraising event for the nonprofit Text Right to Life that I work for. August isn't as bad as September, but kind of by mid-August, things start to pick up a little at work, and then when September hits, it's all hands on deck for a month, and I disappear. Yeah. Um, yeah and by we, disappear, we like I mean... We barely I'm, saw you last year during gala season. Yeah. I think I invited people to the gala because I was like, I've neglected my friends for <laughs> like two months. It's time to see them for one night and then I neglected them there because I was working. But um, <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is, this is my life. So let me ask you a question, Clint. All right. What media are you in taking? Oh, you're jumping straight into that. All right. Uh, <laughs> hold on. I actually had some notes here. Oh, I caught him off guard. People, you saw it. Yeah. I was getting ready for the banter, man. Uh, yeah. It's all good. It's all good. So, I've been listening to Acquisitions Incorporated, the C-Team podcast again, which is my Dungeons and Dragons podcast to listen to. Um, have you seen Stranger Things season three? I have. Okay. I binged it in one day. Yeah, so did I. And f- the song from episode eight, mm. this is not a major spoiler alert, so don't freak out if you haven't finished it yet, but you should go finish season three. In episode eight... They sing Never Ending Story yes. from the movie Never Ending Story. And I am, like, obsessed with that right now. I've listened to it on repeat, like, way too many times. Specifically that rendition? Yeah. Okay. Also, did you know there's, like, I mean, they have challenges for everything now, but now there's a Never Ending Challenge. It's like a dance video type thing. It's I believe weird. Uh, so I've been listening to that like crazy, and then Ed Sheeran just dropped a new album, which... It's just called Number Six Collaborations Project, and basically every single song on there is featuring at least one or more like big name artists. It's like a powerhouse of big name artists. I don't like most of it, to be honest, and I'm a huge Ed Sheeran fan, but some of his newer stuff is getting less Ed Sheeran-y, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, people sell out every day. Yeah, so couple songs on there are decent. It's kind of ironic. The very first song on there was all about, like, just because we look rich and happy and beautiful on the inside, we're really, like, broken, talking about, like, celebrities and stuff. And that's probably one of my favorite songs in the whole album. And then the very next song is, like, like Cardi B and someone else, and it's all talking about, like, the exact opposite of what that song was just talking about, how they find their happiness and, like, partying and, like, money and stuff like that it's like this is very contradicting so not a huge fan of the album but maybe a few songs will grow on me and then last night i went with gordon and the rest of the shrine 
kids and missionaries yep. to go see Spider-Man Far From Home. I haven't seen that movie yet. I want to go see it. Uh, I had a group of friends that went, but I couldn't go. And then I had another group of friends that I kind of talked to about it, and then they didn't. They went and didn't tell me. I'm just a little bitter. But. A little bit, yeah. Sorry. But it's fine. I'll just go see it by myself. Going to the movies by yourself is actually kind of fun. Yeah. But you're an extrovert, so you well, might disagree. Well, it's not like I'm talking anyway, so I yeah. don't really care. It's true. Um, it's just nice to have that person to, after the movie, so be like, let's hands talk with? about the... Yeah. yeah. Um, this is actually just a cry for help. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's anyway. Not. <laughs> All right, so what are you taking in? I binged season three of Stranger Things on Friday uh, after it came out. Okay. And so I had, I had to work that Friday, the 5th. But when I got home, I turned on Netflix and watched it for the next nine hours or whatever. And um, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I like was on episode 7. And I was like, I'm so tired, I'm ready to go to bed. Because it was still past my bedtime, but I was watching Stranger Things, so I kind of lost track of time. But I was, already at, I was already at episode 7 of the 8-episode season, so I stayed up till 4 a.m. It was dumb. But... It's a great season. Did you have to work on Saturday? I didn't. No. Oh, that's good. So I slept for like most yeah. of Saturday. Other than that, I found out from a friend that this movie was on Netflix. I, I haven't been intaking as much media as I would have liked. Um, I've just been busy with work and stuff, but living under a rock, basically. But uh, Patrick? Oh, I did actually start watching the Netflix show The Mist. I was talking to you a little bit about yeah. this. It's interesting. It's very different than Stephen King's novella or the two th- 2007 rendition of his novella. Um, it's just a, I think it was originally on Spike, and now it's on Netflix. Um, but it's a show called The Mist. I watched a few episodes. It's all right. I'll probably continue to watch it just for the purposes of doing a podcast on it at some point. You said it had some themes that were kind of like hinting towards being anti-Christian or anti-Catholic. Well, yeah, so it's interesting. They've got a uh, priest in it. And he's like, actually seems like a pretty decent guy. But you can kind of see that they're laying the groundwork for making him... The bad guy. Yeah, or at least just kind of like an idiot. Yeah. Because he's trying to make sense of what's going on in terms of like the Bible. And then there's this like woman who is literally just like a hippie. Like that's it. Like her character is just like you're polluting too much and like and like basically like they draw a lot of cinematic view in the first episode like people killing an insect and stuff because in Stephen King's original rendition there are these like monsters that like resemble giant insects and they're the things Mm -hmm. killing people yeah well in the show that's not really what's happening and it's kind of like nature rising against humanity as like a you know stop polluting sort of thing like right which like i get and that's pretty popular and all in all like i'm very pro stewardship of the earth so like i get that i I would hope so it just but sometimes it feels a little preachy and especially i'm kind of like especially when it like tries to contradict and be like oh well yeah it's like the church is trying to like make sense of it and like she's like in the church and she says something like basically this guy dies and he dies because he like like moth wings sprout out of his back and then moths fly out of his mouth and he like dies and she's like that was god and like the priest is like that was not god and she's like no i'm not talking about your god i'm talking about the real god nature and it's like 
that's very unnatural. So <laughs> yeah, like it's not something that naturally happens. Yeah, it's very interesting because like it's just that's like the part that's like you're like mm, interesting because it's trying to like basically I don't know. It just it seems very sometimes like from what I've seen it seems very interesting Christian and like the priest is kind of going down that slow way that they always do where he's going to become sort of like puritanical monster. Right. Yeah, and that's um, typically how Christians and Catholics are portrayed in in movies nowadays, unfortunately. So I'll probably watch it, and we'll probably just talk about that theme in general and why that might be. But that's a different podcast for a different day. Uh, but today, I watched one, or not today, but like for today's episode, I did watch a movie that was on Netflix that my friend told me about. I wanted to see it in theaters, never got around to it. Spider-Man Into the, uh, into the Spider-Verse, Spider-verse yeah. uh, the animated movie basically so not far from home not far from home not the newest one uh this is spider-man into the mul- into the spider-verse it's like about the multiverse my friend told me about it my friend anthony carboni i don't know if you know him doesn't sound familiar um, anthony works at nasa he's a good friend of mine and he was basically telling me it's probably the best spider-man movie he's ever seen yeah i've actually heard that a lot too actually a ton of people are saying it's the best one yeah, it. Uh, so I checked it out, and it was it was pretty good, actually. Yeah, uh, I liked that it actually referenced some of the live action movies, especially like the Tobey Maguire movies. Yeah, I know a lot of people were hoping that the actors would be played by, like, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. Yeah. But, oh well. What ended up happening is there's, like, in the beginning, and they do this a couple times of, like, because there's, like, several different Spider-Men that appear. Right. Because it's, like, a multiverse thing, so they're from different multiverses. And a Spider-Woman. Yeah, and a Spider-Woman. And uh, spider various Spider-Persons. Spider Spider-Pig. Yes, various Spider-anthropomorphized things. Um, yes. The, he, there's, like, a scene where he... Uh, in the very beginning where he's talking about like, he's like, yeah, like I do this. I like swing in, I save the day. Like I'm Peter Parker. And he's like, I've done this, I've done that. And I've done this. And it's like, it's like an animated version of the scene in the uh, Spider-Man three where he's like dancing and doing the pointing and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, and we don't really talk about that. He's like, and he's like, and he's like, this happened, this happened. And he's like, and this definitely happened. And it's like that scene. And he's like, but we don't really talk about that. And I thought that was just a really funny kind yeah. of, um, cause that's the series that everyone kind of, yeah rags on a little bit but it was really good um but there's some really cool themes in it all in all have you seen it yeah i watched it back in like march or april when it was probably in theaters no i watched it on a plane actually oh rock on uh it's really it's i think got some pretty cool themes in it in general Mm -hmm. um so the the plot really quickly for a little bit of a spoiler um is that the original peter parker dies um and miles morales who is um the spider-man in the ultimate series of marvel comics like ultimate spider-man oh he's actually from a series Mm -hmm. miles so the miles like the ultimate universe miles morales is the is spider-man okay and so they're kind of giving him a little bit of a show and they've done it in different media like the spider-man ps4 game has miles in it Really? Yeah, um, see, I don't know the lore behind most of the superheroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have all these things kind of happen. It's really interesting, yeah, because, like, in that game, uh, you play as Peter Parker the whole time, and there's, like, one, like, a couple scenes where you actually play as Miles, but he doesn't have his spider powers. Hmm. 
Um, okay. And it's like all before he becomes a Spider-Man because it, so basically in, into the into the Spider-Verse, Miles gets bitten by a radioactive spider, and then while spray painting, while graf- spray graffitiing with yeah, his graffitiing uncle, with his uncle, and then he goes back to like find it because he like realizes he has power. He's getting powers. It's actually interesting because I didn't know this until I thought about it later. But like that spider kind of like shifts in the same way that those from other universes shift. And so he was actually bit by a radioactive spider from one of the different universes. Because you know how like you know how like it does like that weird like shifting when something's from another universe. Yeah. That spider does that shift. It's true. Um, So I was like, oh, it must have been a spider from a different universe, which would be why I guess it bit him because it is the radioactive spider, right? Right. And so he goes and he sees Spider-Man and basically um, witnesses Peter Parker get killed. And then he is the only Spider-Man in the universe. With no training. With no training. He's no like idea what he's doing. Or something he's like, like 15. He just watched. Oh, what's his name? Wilson Fisk. That's it. Uh, he witnesses Wilson Fisk kill Peter Parker. And so then all these other spider people get poured out into his world mm-hmm. including another peter parker yeah who is like, from a far off future that's actually it's kind of interesting because a lot of them are nods to the different universes and different spider-man comics right and so there is a spider-man comic where um and it was actually i think around that time where um like mj and peter parker were no longer married yeah and so this new peter parker coming mm-hmm. in is like they got a divorce, yeah. He's, yeah, he's divorced. He's, like, kind of washed up, gained a lot of weight, is not really being Spider-Man anymore. He kind of mm-hmm. just sits in his apartment and drinks and eats, basically. Yeah. And so, he, you know, he's he's kind of kind of beat up. And, um, and it's actually kind of poking fun because there is, like, in, in, in the comics that actually, I think, happened maybe. But anyway, I digress. And so he goes about training miles after miles basically begs him right <clears throat> very and, un unwillingly and so there's this theme where he actually is the one who who sticks up for him all the other spider-men kind of realize that he's not ready like miles is not ready he doesn't have control of his powers mm-hmm. um, and he'll get himself killed but their whole point is they're gonna wait until the because basically the reason that all that's happening is there's like a um, super collider underneath New York that Wilson Fisk is using to try to open up portals to other universes to bring back his family. Right. That, which I think is actually an interesting theme because he doesn't recognize why it happened. Like he was fighting Spider-Man. That what what happens is Wilson Fisk at some point in the future was fighting Spider-Man and he's holding him as by his neck trying to kill him and his family and Wilson Fisk's family walks in and sees this. And then they realize that Wilson Fisk is a monster, and they get in their car to run away from him mm-hmm. because they're, they're leaving him, and then they get hit by a car and die. Yeah. And Wilson Fisk is so bent on bringing them back, even trying to kill Spider-Man, um, and he doesn't seem to realize. And actually, they play at that a little bit when he's on the train and like all the universes are colliding, and he sees his family, and they run away again after he's like holding the other like holding miles yeah and he kind of and he just replays it. that whole scene again because what like what it's trying to show is that it's not spider-man's fault that they died it's like that wilson fisk is who he is and it was inevitable like with him being the criminal that he was that they were gonna eventually find out and leave 
Um, and that's why they left. And unfortunately, they died. But um, he's trying to bring them back, but he's like not repenting or changing. And I just think that's kind of an interesting theme. Because it's just even if he brought them back, it was just going to replay itself out. Right. And it kind of makes like this endless loop mm-hmm. where he keeps doing it and keeps falling into the same thing. Yeah. So there's two kind of big themes, I think, in the course of this movie. I think thread-wise. Okay. There's two, there's really two big stories happening. There's Peter Parker. Which one? The living one. From okay. this point forward, when we refer to Peter Parker, we will refer to living Peter Parker. Okay. From universe whatever. That Peter Parker and then Miles. I think those are kind of the two main storylines happening. Mm-hmm. And they're generally happening together. But you've got this one where you've got Peter Parker who feels broken He's made a lot of mistakes, and he can't live with it. Right. And so what they want to do is jump back into the stream, get sent to their universe, or else they'll die, right? Because they, their body can't handle being in a different universe, so they keep, like, glitching, basically, mm-hmm. um, like that spider, until they'll eventually die. But one of them has to stay behind. And so Miles wants to be the one that stays behind because it's his universe, he'll live, and if anyone else stays, they'll die to close it. But he has to be able to... But he has to be able to use his powers, but right. he can't. And so the Peter Parker, whose life is seemingly kind of ruined, is like, I'll stay. And he basically tells Miles that he can't do it. You know, he's like, you're not ready. It's my call, not theirs. You know, mm-hmm. and like... And he's like, well, I can do it. And he's like, all right, well, like, electrocute me. Like, use your power. Like, use your power on command, and, like, Miles can't do it. And so they um, try, like, scaring him into it and, like, yeah. everything. They Yeah, they do everything they can, but he just can't seem to do it. So he gets all wrapped up. So I think that there is, like, again, two storylines going. I think there's the storyline of despair and purpose that is explored. Like, there's this idea of, like, being in despair and hope, which we've mentioned before, but also, like, having a sense of purpose um, that you see within the Peter Parker's character. Yeah. And then in Miles' character, uh, he keeps saying, like, how do you know when you're ready? Like, how do you know you're ready to be Spider-Man? And they keep saying, you don't. It's a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Because in the comic, because he's, like, reading a comic to see how the like his universe is Peter Parker. Right. And he's like, I don't know if I can do this, like, shooting the webs or anything, but he just jumps off a building and trusts that he'll be able to do it. Um, and he like Miles does that he goes up to a building then runs down and goes to a smaller building because he's afraid and he won't right. do it and so he's like he doesn't want to take that leap of faith and so because of that he can't grasp his powers he can't control them yeah and so those I think are the, the I guess themes <clears throat> the real big themes of um, of this movie that I want to get into yeah I think something that might, might help us get started here I just pulled up a couple of quotes that Perfect. were good uh, so Per usual, Stanley had his cameo, uh, which is always cool. Mm-hmm. And there's one where you were just talking about how he goes to the comic store, and that's where he sees yeah. Stanley. And so Stan says, "I'm going to miss him." Talking about Spider-Man as mm-hmm. uh, Miles is buying like a costume. Yeah, and it's it's like he's buying a costume to be like a, a little kid who's a fan, but really he's right. Buying and it for and actually, it's at, at the funeral. Everyone's dressed up as Spider-Man and like an homage to him. So he like yes. wears that to yes, the funeral. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. And so Miles is like, yeah. And Stan says, we were actually friends, you know. So it's like a throwback mm-hmm. to the fact that he made it. And then here's the part that I want to focus on. Miles says, can I return it if it doesn't fit? 
And Stan says, it always fits, eventually. Right. And there's like, it's kind of a funny scene because then like he looks over and there's a sign that says no refunds ever and Stanley's just smiling at him. Yeah. But it is actually a serious note because that's something that they say in the beginning with Peter Parker, like when he was still alive, the dead Peter Parker, Mm -hmm. saying in the beginning um, is that he's like, I'm just some guy in the mask and anyone can be Spider-Man. Yeah. It could be, it could be anyone. And um, Miles kind of repeats that at the end. It's this idea that um, who's behind the mask? Well, it doesn't matter because like anyone can be Spider-Man. Like anyone can be a hero. Yeah, and anyone can do the right thing. Right, and I think going back to what you were talking about, despair versus purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're called to something, when we're like actually called to do something, even if it doesn't feel right at first, if it's actually what we're called to do, it'll always fit. Yeah. Right, and that's not to say like. If you hate it, then you're probably not called to it, right? But if you are legitimately called to something, God made that for you, right? So, does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. But there's also an, another quote that went along with that that I wanted to throw in if, okay. if I can. Yeah. So it says, uh, that this is Stan Lee again, that person who helps others simply because it should or must be done and because it is the right thing to do is indeed, without a doubt, a real superhero. So that's going back to what you were just mm-hmm. saying about how anyone can be the quote-unquote superhero as long as they do what needs to be done, as long as they right. do like what is good. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that's like kind of what's explaining why they kind of show Miles as realistically just like a, like a high school kid that is figuring himself out and doesn't right. have a clue is like if he can become Spider-Man you know anyone could be a hero uh, so to explore the, the alternate Peter Parker's lifestyle he basically is willing at the end to sacrifice himself because he feels like well at the end of the day all of these other Spider-Men have lives to go back to yeah but his he's like I don't have anything and it's like really funny because like they go to the spi- like basically like the spider cave right like the which is pretty sick which it's, is super- it's like Peter Parker from this world's yeah uh, like headquarters in the basement of his shed in the yeah. backyard but it's got all of his super suits and everything and super fancy and everything. yeah it's, it's like cool. it's really really nice and uh, <laughs> Miles is like is this what yours is like and he's like yeah he's like it's kind of he's like imagine this but without the plane or the car or the suits or a little bit smaller and imagine a futon there and it's like his apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's kind of that Peter Parker, right? He's lost MJ. He's lost everything really means something. And it's because he didn't want kids, hmm. right? MJ wanted to have kids and it, got, it scared him. He right. wasn't ready to have yeah. kids. And it's actually really funny because like he was like, Miles, I'm so proud of you. And he's like, wait, do I want kids? <laughs> <laughs> it's like really funny. Yeah. But um, there's this idea of like having second chances because the end of the movie after the credits, and what, I think it's after the credits, or no, not quite, but he goes back to MJ at the right. very end. He's got flowers and he like goes to go back to her because um, he's, he's making a second chance because throughout the movie, he feels like he lost his purpose because he had nothing else to live for, right? He lost right. MJ. He lost everything important to him. Aunt May died. I mean, mm-hmm. all these people that were important to him passed on and then he asks he goes back but he has this whole thing where he's retraining miles and almost miles reignites in him this sense of purpose right and so i kind of want 
to hear what you think about just the importance of that like sense of purpose right or even um this idea of like recognizing that we have a purpose and maybe discerning that like what what are your thoughts on that yeah you just think what what is a sense of purpose why is it so important to us sure i think that's one of the things that a lot of people find attractive about christianity is that people who are authentically living their christian faith typically feel like they have a sense of purpose because they're living for something greater than what's immediately in front of them yeah i think especially in like the early church because you see uh you see people so on fire for their faith that like there's public martyrdoms happening all the time uh which to be fair like there's more martyrdoms now than there were in, yeah. the, in the ancient church but unfortunately it's not something that we focus on uh, or a lot of us kind of ignore yeah so i just think if we are living our christian faith authentically uh we recognize that god has called us to do something we're not sure what that is and that's why we have discernment and to clarify discernment is not just like us making a decision <laughs> I know I had a conversation with some of my high schoolers probably a couple months ago now, and we were talking about discernment, and they're like, yeah, discernment is just like deciding what you want. And I'm like, no, discernment is like communicating with God and trying to understand what he wants for you because that's what's best, right? Even though it might not seem like it at times, that's kind of what I was trying to get at before. Uh, when you actually get into what you're called to do, it's the thing that will bring you the most joy and peace Right. on this or in the, in this life. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note that, you know, God does create each of us uniquely for a specific purpose that only we can fulfill. Right. Right. Um, it's not like if you turn down a voc- your, uh, what you're called to your vocation that God's like, Oh, well time for plan B. Yeah. You know, like he can make all things work. You are plan A through Z. <laughs> yes. Like you are the plan. Yeah. Um, and that God cooperates through us. Um, that God's providence, that God's plan happens through his cooperation with us. He allows us to play a part in salvation. He could just change things, but he allows us yeah. to work. And that's actually another thing from the movie. So Peter Parker, living one, talks to Miles and is like, there's one thing I know for sure. Don't do it like me. Do it like you. And he's talking about how to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Right? And... Yeah, because before we were talking about how anyone can be a superhero, but not anyone can fulfill the specific role of superhero that you're called to be. Right. Yeah. And so I think that there's a lot of growth that happens with that Peter Parker. Uh, but also, Miles, uh, going just back a little bit to him, in this leap of faith, I think one of the most powerful moments of the film is he's like it's kind of funny and he's actually in his most broken state he's all wrapped up in oh in his like in his like room dorm room in his dorm room and he's got all of his he's like wrapped up in in a web and he's like kind of despairing and yeah, then the spider people like like trapped him in his dorm room because because he hadn't controlled his powers and so it would have been dangerous for him to go and so he has two specific powers that are unique to him he like has electricity, like he can hit you with electricity, like shoot mm-hmm. electricity off of his body, like uh, supercharge himself or go invisible. Yeah, I forgot about that. And so he's sitting there in the chair and then he finally has this moment where he's like, all right. And so he uh, just explodes the things off of him. Like he finally gets control of his powers. 
you know. In his brokenness and in yeah. his, like, desperation. In his desperation. And yeah. I think we can even start from there. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. a lot of the times it's in our brokenness and in our desperation where we finally accept that we're not good enough. Yeah. Right? And that we need to, like, rely on God. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, which is, I mean, that's not where the powers in the story come from, but that's where our powers it's where our abilities it's where everything that we are and can do comes from god and so it's in our brokenness usually where we start to realize yeah oh dang i can't do this right i I need you god right yeah and um yeah it's in our our weakness that we are strong right and uh yeah so he does that and then his like roommate wakes up and sees all the webs everywhere and just goes back to bed and it's because miles is in the room but he's invisible yeah so he goes back he finds aunt he gets to aunt may he gets the suit um and aunt may's there and it's so funny because she like believed in him even when he didn't believe in himself and i think that's kind of like how god is for us you know um that he like shows up aunt may is so great yeah he like shows up to like the spider cave and she's like it's about time you got here because like she knew he was going to be able to do it, yeah. You know, so she trusted him and believed in him. And I imagine like that's like how God is when we finally arrive. Like we're supposed to be he's like, oh, about time you got here, right? You know? But he gives her, he gives him the suit, which he kind of makes his own. You know, he uses spray painting abilities, makes it his own, and then he gets the little web uh, slingers, slingers, and he goes to literally like the tallest building and jumps off it. And he finally makes that leap of faith. And he makes the leap of faith from like the highest. <laughs> Hour he can mm-hmm. and he gets there and he saves the day right but he makes that leap of faith and so i kind of want to I'm, I'm interested to kind of explore that theme of making a leap of faith or what is a leap of faith and you know why is it important that we as christians sometimes make that initial leap of faith you know because it's it's always so interesting because you know you talk to people and um, about christianity and like i know that god can reveal himself and i know that he's you know i know he's real and the key has in many aspects of my life continuously revealed himself to me like right. on a personal level but it's hard to like explain to somebody who has no faith like how do you begin that process and it's oftentimes well you need to take that initial leap of faith and like you won't be disappointed yeah you know yeah i think um there's a lot to say in this first off i think when we say faith a lot of the times mm-hmm. people use that as an excuse of there's no proof so you just have to have faith that's not really the case, right? There's a lot of evidence for a lot of different things in our uh, yeah. in our beliefs, and faith is a part of that, but not separate from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, people say like, "There's no way to like prove there's God. You just have to have faith." That's not really true. Like, a lot of philosophers believe that it's possible to reason your way to God, right? And that's why we have like. Thomas Aquinas's five ways and different stuff right. like that. Um, but faith is one of the theological virtues, right? So we have faith, hope, and love. What makes the theological virtues different from the other virtues is that we can't obtain them only on our own. Yeah. And so faith, hope, and love are all things that we can only get through God's grace. That's why it's called yeah. theological. Theos meaning God. Yeah. And so this idea of faith has to come from God. And it's, it's this idea that um, even beyond 
our understanding, even beyond our reason, we know, trust, and believe that God's still there, right? So even when we have like our dark times and it feels like God's not there, we have this faith that reminds us that he is, that he is. and that he has a plan, right? Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what I'm getting at is I've often found going into like my story, like God very much revealed himself to me in mm-hmm. like a very real and tangible way. But that happened when I was actually open for it. Yeah. And when I like first desired for him to to reveal himself, he didn't because I was trying to force it so much. And I took this leap of faith where I realistically was like, "You know what, God, like that's fine. Like whatever it is you want to show me." Yeah. Um, and it was that openness of just like trust of like, you know what, like I'm not going to force my way. I'm just going to be open to it. And that's when God like actually revealed himself. Right. And so there's a, there is an aspect of not testing God, but trusting God. And that's like what the leap of faith is. Yeah, exactly. I think it's less of like a physical leap of faith and yeah. more of like a letting down your walls. And yeah. so maybe we can even argue that the true leap of faith was when he was in his dorm room, yep. broken and defeated, and said, okay. Yeah. Like, let's. Let, yeah, and let I, would, I would actually argue the same thing that that jump symbolized it, but he had already had control it of was, his powers. It, it was the sacrament, if yeah. you will. Yeah, but he already the, had control of his powers. The tangible sign of the interior yeah. Uh, change. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so that's, <laughs> that's kind of the movie. Is there any other um, like massive themes that you are. That you you would like to, from the movie that you would like to cover? It's been a couple months, so I'm trying to think of of something else. But because um, no. there is, I mean, there is the, the and we kind of already talked about the Wilson Fisk, which is another thing, right? Is grief and um, how we can let that consume us. Yeah, we can talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any initial thoughts on that? Yeah. So I kind of already mentioned it with Wilson Fisk and how his grief basically is this never-ending cycle. But there's something to be said about look, grieving has its place. And it's important. And I think there's grief and I think there's a lot of guilt there. Um, and sometimes our grief can look like survivor's guilt. Yeah. Uh, and we can let that consume us. And like there is a point for us to grieve the loss of something or someone. But when that consumes us, then we, we begin to find like miss out, right? It mm-hmm. ends up consuming us and, and then we almost become our grief. Right. I mean, our grief defines us. And, and this is one of those things that I was talking to one of my coworkers about, about like what actually makes us who we are. And the answer, because they, you know, they're trying to be like, well, at what point do like our actions or our choices make us who we are, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, like, it's like, okay, well, we're all called to something. And it's like, what if you never live up to who you're supposed to be, like who God calls you to be? Does that mean you're not you or you're somebody different? And I was like, well... It, on the same side of the token, if I were to walk outside right now, get hit by a car, and become a quadriplegic with severe brain damage for the rest of my life, am I any less Steve Sherman? And the answer is no. No. I'm still just as much of me, independent of my faculties or abilities, right? Right. Um, like, I'm still me. And so what, what actually defines us? And so I think, like, the issue with letting grief define us or, or sort of being so consumed by it is that we we begin to not really be who we are. We begin to define by this action that happened to us. I think that's true to a certain extent. I think obviously grief is a very good thing yeah. because it helps us to recognize that 
life is a gift Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful um and it helps us to treasure that more and like we said before it's at our most broken and feeling the lowest where we cling to god the most and i know we see a lot of the times the opposite is happening so when someone dies people will say like god where were you instead of saying god i need you right but a lot of good can come from that right and grief is good we see jesus grieved when lazarus died right it was uh, uh john eleven thirty five. jesus wept the shortest verse in the entire bible yeah um but also extremely powerful just in that statement because he's showing it's a good thing to yeah. grieve and actually i actually want to kind of get into that um that scripture passage in general sure. yeah because I, I love that scripture because before it's david's favorite you have to like look at it yeah because christ knows who he is yeah and he knows lazarus was a good man and even mentions to them when they're like grieving like if you were here this you know this would not have happened and he was and he's like do you not believe in the resurrection of the body like he Mm. clearly jesus believes it like he knows that this is not the end of lazarus and he knows he can raise him from the dead and he does and he does but he weeps anyway. He gr- yeah, he grieves, he grieves first. anyway. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that our God is actually on our side. Yeah. And he grieves with us. That we sometimes forget in our little American mindset, sometimes it's a very it's a very deist mindset. Yeah. That God's all the way up here and we're down here in suffering and we pray to him and he zaps down some prayers and he he fixes it. It's the genie mentality. Right? But like that's a very deist mind- mindset, but that's not the God of Scripture. Right. The God of Scripture is not a God up here while we're down here suffering. He is a God who comes down into our suffering along with us. Yeah. And that is our God. That is God. And so, yes, I think the grief has obviously a place. What I'm saying is, um, and you actually kind of even see it with Wilson Fisk. When in the very beginning, Peter, like, before Peter, the, that Peter Parker dies, is fighting him, and he says it can't be worth it, like you know, to open, accidentally open up a black hole, and uh, and maybe destroy everything, and uh, Wilson Fisk says there's more than just money. Yeah. Right, because he lost his family, and he realizes that it's not just always about the money. There's something else, and um, and so yeah, so that's a really uh, a good theme. Well, um, I I think even going along with that some more. Um, where grief, and you hinted on this already, grief is good as long as we don't let it consume us. Yes. Right? But as Christians, we need to remember, like, there is hope beyond the grief. And I think that's where I was getting at, and you were getting at with the, mm-hmm. the Jesus wept uh, part of Scripture. Um, but even beyond that, have you read Confessions by Augustine? Yes. So I think it was, I think it was Augustine that wrote in there. Uh, there was people who were, like, celebrating death uh, in the early, early Christian times because they're like, oh yeah, resurrection's going to be great. And so they were like partying and saying like, this is great, they're dead. And Augustine or whoever it is that I'm thinking of, I'm pretty sure it's Augustine, wrote to them and is like, no, you do not celebrate death. Like it's still something that needs to be grieved. You have hope for them. Yeah. And you pray for them, but you, you don't celebrate it. Um, and so there's kind of like all those different aspects of it. It's definitely something that you need to experience, but not let consume you on either aspect of it. 
is. And I have one final theme. Okay. It's very short, but there is also this little dynamic between Miles's dad and Miles's uncle. Oh, Because yeah. Miles's uncle, Aaron, he's very close with, he's the one who does graffiti with him, actually ends up being a supervillain. Mm-hmm. And when he finds out who Miles is, he gets shot because he, he, like, lets him go because he, like, realizes that the Spider-Man he's been trying to kill is actually his, his nephew, nephew he loves. And uh, Wilson Fisk shoots him for it. And so he gets out of there. Um, and Miles's dad had kind of grown distant from his brother. They've just grown different. They, and this is something that Aaron mentions in the beginning. He's like, you know, your dad and I used to come down here and do this graffiti all the time. His and dad's he, a cop now. But he's like, now he's a cop and he's too good for it. And there's a scene where Miles is all wrapped up. And this is actually, I think, probably his, the moment where he comes to fruition. Is his dad knocks and it's like, something bad happened. He's like, I mean, he thinks his son's just ignoring him, right? But he's actually becoming Spider-Man and trying to save the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, you know, your, 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 your uncle and I grew apart. And I just don't want that to happen to us. Yeah. You know, that there was this, this sense that Miles' dad realized that he had helped let them grow apart. But there was always a moment for reconciliation. I, I think that's the healthy side of grief being yeah. shown. So we have Wilson Fisk or Kingpin is yeah. his yeah, like villain his, name. Yeah. Uh, showing the unhealthy side. But the dad in this moment is showing... The grief from his brother, Aaron, dying, um, coming to his son, mm-hmm. right? And trying to mend that relationship rather than to close things off or yeah. or act out in a violent or uh, a way that's not him. He's becoming less of himself. That's not what Miles' father's doing. He's, yeah. he's doing the healthy, healthy path. Yeah, and there's this... And I actually love Miles and his dad's relationship in this movie because it is actually just a very which like you never see it in cinema like the tender sort of relationship between a father and the son mm. um, you know oftentimes it's this, not at the beginning at the beginning it's very strained it's still a tender relationship in terms of his father is still a very tender father to him sure like still loves him I mean yeah he embarrasses the heck out of him yeah that's, like, that's true that's true doesn't. but like his father loves him yeah, um, and you don't often see very many movies where a father is like, "I love you" to their son, right? And over and over and over throughout the movie. I think there's something to be said to that too. Now that you remind me of it, mm-hmm. because that's very much our relationship with God the Father too. Yeah. Like, because Miles was very embarrassed, very awkward about yeah. it, and very anti-affection with yeah. his father, and we can be that way too. God's like, "I love you." And we just like ignore him. Yep. God's like, I love you. And so this happens throughout the movie, right? Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. Um, I, I for, forgot about that too. I apparently forgot like about a, this whole movie. Yeah, and there's like a scene where he's like, you know, where he's, when he's, the scene where he's talking about it and he's trying to mend the relationship and his son can't reply. Because in the very beginning he says, I love you. And then he like, he's like, I know dad. And he walks off and then he gets on a speaker in front of everyone at the school. And he's like, you have to say it back. And he's like, are you serious? Like, look where I am right yeah. now. He's like, you have to say it back. And he's like, I love you, Dad. And he like goes inside. And then when he's knocking on the door, he's like, hey, he's mild. He's like, I love you. And uh, then you don't have to say it back. Yeah. And he walks off, and Miles can't. Like, he you can see he wants to, but he's like, he can't. His, mouth, like, is his mouth is covered. And so then there's that scene where he stresses Spider-Man, and he sits there, and he, like, is talking to him. And he's like, thank you, officer. And he's like, <clears throat> 
I love you. His <laughs> dad's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> he like, yeah, doesn't yeah. know it's a son. But it's like, it's just, I don't know, it's still kind of a beautiful, it's funny, but it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. So. That's true. I'm glad you thought of that. I completely blanked. Yeah. Anything else? I think that's pretty much all I have. No. I mean, I'm blanking on the rest of the movie right now, so unless you have anything. No. You have any shout outs for the week? Uh, I do, actually. So I forgot to say these from uh, last week's episode, but. Gordon and I were on Brave and Expedition the mm-hmm. other week, and one of the chaperones on my side, Expedition, which is the junior high side, was a woman by the name of Karen, who, do you remember BCYM? Did you ever have to take that? I'm familiar with it, yeah. So BCYM is a basic uh, Catholic youth ministry training certificate. Yeah. yeah. So every youth minister in the diocese is supposed to take it at some point, and not going to lie, it's a pretty boring and awful course sorry if anyone from the diocese is listening but uh yeah so karen sat next to me during my bcym and i hadn't seen her since since that class so it was kind of cool to talk to her again uh so shout out to her but also her daughter was chaperoning too and i found out that karen had told her daughter emma about the show too so apparently they know about it or are listening so shout out to those two hopefully you guys are are listening at this point rock on yeah um I already kind of shouted out Anthony a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my biggest shout out, so those who know me personally, and I, I guess actually know us personally, I'm going to shout out Katarina. Yeah. Um, we have a friend of ours who recently passed away. So um, just a shout out to her and her family. Um, and we would just ask our listeners to please keep them in your prayers. Um this is kind of a sad thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, cl- so close friend of ours who, who passed away a couple weeks ago. And I guess with that, unless you have a challenge, I think a good challenge would be to grieve. Yeah. Right. In, in a healthy way for those of those of us who, who knew Katerina, mm-hmm. um, grieve over that. Uh, take the time to do that if you haven't already. And even if you don't know her, grieve with us yeah um, and and my thing too just on terms with that um things can end <laughs> very abruptly uh my my challenge also for y'all would be if there are relationships where you've grown distant from somebody you've let something get between you somebody very close i would encourage you for your challenge this week to actually extend the olive branch to go and try to rekindle those relationships do yeah. not let sometimes our short-sighted angers um, ruin something that is otherwise good. Right. And, and just to, to work toward reconciliation with those people in your life. It's a good one. All right. Anything else? That's it. So before we start wrapping things up here, I do want to make kind of an announcement. So this week we are going to be recording with John Blevins. So that is uh, the older brother of the Fortnite streamer Ninja. Uh, And he has a Fortnite stream as well um, and is also a Catholic director of evangelization up in Chicago. So we're going to be having him on the show hopefully next week. Um, But we're really excited about that. So please tune in for that one. It's going to be a fun one. And with that, you guys hopefully know where to reach us. But you can find in our notes section below, Twitter, at OnTheAdventure2. Facebook, The Christian Culture. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on YouTube, The Christian Culture. 
Check out our website, thechristinculture.com. You can find all of our stuff there, including if you want to support us on Patreon and become a patron for as little as $5 a month, you can become uh, one of our patrons and get rewards back. So even if you don't want to do 5 bucks a month, if you want to do $1, you can do that. Uh, there just won't be any bonus rewards with that. But we appreciate all of our patrons. You guys are awesome. And we are sending out some special bonus episodes for, for our patrons, too. So hopefully you guys are getting those and enjoying those as well. Awesome. Thanks for joining us on the adventure. We'll see you next week. Hey, a little bit of a postscript here. There's a scene going off of grief Yeah. where Miles is grieving over his uncle. And he's like, you guys don't understand. And all the Spider-Men who, if you guys know the story of Spider-Man and Uncle Ben... Um, they say, well, actually, everyone in this room might be the only ones who really understand. Yeah. And you know, and the one's like, uh, yeah, for me, it was, it was my Uncle Ben. The other one's like, it was my Uncle Benjamin. And then the little girl's like, for me, it was my father. And they each go through and they say, like, who, who their, loss their loss was. And I, I think it's important to remember that that's such a central theme of Spider-Man is this with great power comes great responsibility, but it's out of this grief for generally Uncle Ben. Yeah. Right? And so it's kind of like out of great grief comes great responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's Spider-Man. That's the name of this episode.